Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Checkfront, the booking platform trusted by over 5,000 tour and activity operators around the world. You can start your own free 21-day trial over at Checkfront.com. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. Food, glorious food. Welcome to episode 64 of the Tourpreneur Podcast. The first and last time you're ever likely to hear me sing, unless you buy me scotch at a bar or at a conference when we meet. Uh, today I sing that because it's our first ever roundtable with food tourpreneurs. Some of you wrote in saying to me, listen, we love your one-to-one interviews, even if it's a walking tour and I'm a bus tour Um, because we always get something from it. But we would love to hear from more people within our own vertical. So I thought, let's start with food tours. Let's see how popular this is. If you enjoy today's episode, first of all, share it with your fellow tourpreneurs. But also let me know what other vertical roundtables would you like? Maybe a walking tour roundtable, or a history roundtable, or a bus roundtable, or a multi-day tour roundtable, whatever it is. Let me know. I'm really excited to deliver these round tables. So today we are joined by Midgey Moore of Juno Food Tours, Lauren McCabe-Herpich of Local Food Adventures, and Kevin Durkey, Culinary Adventure Company. So we've got Alaska, California, Toronto, and Vermont represented on today's call. Now, our three food tourpreneurs are also hard at work with Food Tour Week, and you can find details of that campaign and initiative at foodtourweek.com. We do spend a fair bit of time talking about that because it's a brand new initiative. And I salute Midgey, Lauren and Kevin, because what they're trying to do is obviously deliver more business to food tours, but also to to raise awareness because there's still a tremendous amount of people that have never been on a food tour and wouldn't even consider going on one. But we do know when people do go on a food tour, that's it. They're all about the food tours, right? So, uh, Big responsibility for all us food tourpreneurs there to deliver high quality for first timers. So we talk a lot about why you should potentially join Food Tour Week. And that's a global campaign, by the way. I was surprised about that. I thought it was just North America, but it's not. It's right across the globe. And as some of you know, Tourpreneur is listened to in 110 countries, which blows my mind. And thank you uh, to everyone around the world that listens to us. So we talk about Food Tour Week. Uh, We also cover some important topics that are super relevant to food tourpreneurs, particularly around how do we approach vendors and restaurants for food tours? What tips do Midgey, Lauren, and Kevin have when it comes to collaborating and working with restaurants and food vendors in your city? We talk a little bit about booking engines, why they pick the particular booking engine that they're using. Um, Also, we, we talk about favorite food tours because i'm always curious to know as tourpreneurs what are our favorite tours um so there's a lot in this episode uh i'm excited to bring it to you to deliver it to you to serve it to you as it were and like i say please do share this with fellow tourpreneurs and also if you want a roundtable on more verticals drop me a line you can find all my details at tourpreneur.com today's show notes you can find at tourpreneur.com forward slash 64 And welcome to episode 64 of the Tourpreneur Podcast, doing something completely different on the show today. We are talking to Juneau, Alaska, Toronto, Canada, Oakland, California, and myself here in Vermont. It's quite the operation because we have our first 
Food Tour Roundtable. I would like to welcome on the show Midgey Moore from Juno Food Tours. Hello, Midgey. Hello. Thank you. It's really great to be here. And hello to Lauren uh, McCabe Herpich of Local Food Adventures in Oakland, California. Hi, everybody. And to Kevin Durkee, culinary adventure company, Big Cheese in Toronto, Canada. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm fantastic. Thanks for uh, having us today. We're excited to talk about food tours. So I read on your LinkedIn, Kevin, that did you used to work with cheese? I did. Uh, the reason that I got into the food tour business specifically is that I had a restaurant in Toronto for a number of years dedicated to cheese. A food tour company, a culinary adventure company, came to me and I was one of their vendors and one of their spots on the tour. And I loved it so much that a few years later, I had the chance to buy the company. So I'm now switched gears. The restaurant is finished up and we're trying to take over the world one bite at a time. Fantastic. I think Cheese is up there with for me. I know for many people it's chocolate, but cheese is my kryptonite. <laughs> it is. I'd take Probably cheese over chocolate. Oh, okay. Midgey, we used to be friends. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, I love me some cheese. <laughs> so I'm excited to, to talk with you today because I know when we were all at Arrival Orlando, you were in the specialty space next to me with Food Tour Week, and I was booked in solid with interviews. So I wasn't able to get in and, and see your seminars and your sessions that you were hosting. So today, I really wanted to talk with you about Food Tour Week. For those who didn't attend Arrival, or it's the first time hearing about Food Tour Week, and no need to stand on ceremony here. I know this is a round table and we can't actually see each other, so uh, feel free to dive in. What is Food Tour Week? For those who know nothing about it, could you break that down for us? Food Tour Week is a really passionate, you know, focused campaign for food tour operators. And it's something that I actually thought of a number of years ago um, when I was starting to build marketing campaigns around my own food tour company here in Toronto and the other cities we operate. And I was really frustrated by opening up my Instagram and Twitter accounts every morning and seeing National Pizza Day or National Beer Day or something around food. And I thought there must be a way for us to stitch these delicious stories together on a global scale and presented it and kicked around the idea at a couple of conferences and didn't really get too much traction. And life moves on, you get uh, really busy with other projects and our company started to grow. But a couple of years ago, you know, Lauren, Midge, myself and a few others started to really establish another way that how could we support the industry? How do we tell our stories in a bigger bite? And we've been working on it for the last 12 months. We were proud, as you mentioned, to announce and to launch it at Arrival. But the essential campaign is it's a sustainable campaign to really raise awareness and visibility and the attendance to the best you know, the best food and drink tours in the world. And it's about giving our guests the chance to discover interesting, exciting, delicious tours that are around the world in a central hub. It's allowing us, you know, as an industry to come together and collaborate and build on top of each other to tell each other's stories and collaborate. And it's kind of like Christmas for food tours. It's going to be 10 days in early June to really tell the world and show the world what delicious adventures and experiences are out there. So we're excited to get it kicked off this year. I wanted to ask, how did you three get together? Oh, we're not allowed to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, we um, met at a conference and uh, Kevin and I really became good friends. And then I met Lauren through Kevin and we always just stayed in touch. When Kevin had this idea to start with, that was like, I want in on that. Because I totally see the benefit of telling this story and no one tells your story better than you. And telling a tour operator story and food tour story, it's just natural that we're the ones who do it. You know, I think a lot of us food tour operators, we are on what we consider like the small business side. And so you can clearly see the vision, especially when you contrast it to, you know, small business Saturday or, not, or global or national pizza day. And so I think for a lot of us too, it's like, you know, we can make a bigger splash in the marketplace if we work together. So I, I know that I only have so many marketing dollars that I can spend to build local food adventures in Oakland. But if we all combine together, you know, we can actually make a bigger impact. And what I love is this is will be an opportunity for me to say, hey, if you like my tours, go on foodtourweek.com and you can find a really great food tour in Toronto or London or Australia. Um, and so that's what we're all just kind of helping each other out. And that's what I really love about this initiative. So let's say, for instance, I'm running a food tour here in Vermont in Burlington and I find out about Food Tour Week. 
What's the benefit for me as a food tourpreneur here in Vermont for getting involved with Food Tour Week? Well, the benefits really are about the collaboration. And as Lauren mentioned a second ago, it's about taking one person's budget and one person's passion and, and you know, storytelling around their own tours and combining that with dozens and dozens, uh, hundreds of other food tour operators around the world. The challenge that we face every day as small business food tour operators is that there's not a central spot anywhere in the world that you can go and find the best delicious food and drink experiences. You might be able to segment it with a TripAdvisor search. You might be able to go city by city, region by region, but there isn't something on a global scale that puts everybody together. So if you're running your tour in Burlington and there's spectacular cheeses in Vermont, so I would love to go on that tour, but it's an opportunity to say, hey, there's an operator in Burlington and there's an operator in Australia and everyone gets to collaborate. So it's a place to be found. It's a place to be discovered. And ultimately, it's a place to sell tickets for your tours as well. Sure. And what's the cost for getting involved? This is the best part is because we are the food tour operators that are building it and we've got a network of people around the world helping and building volunteers, we have been very cognizant of keeping the price super low. But we're offering a tremendous amount of value through ads and other great experiential elements. It's $250 USD plus some tax to get involved. So it's a marketing campaign that's a nice low bite. That's available until the end of the February. Then we do have to change the pricing a little bit. So we encourage food tour operators and drink and beverage tour operators around the world to get involved. But for $250 plus tax, it's a great way to have a full annual commitment and visibility on foodtourweek.com and all the other associated PR and benefits and buzz that's going to come from it. We've tried to keep the budget really small so that hundreds of operators around the world can get involved. So let's say I'm running this cheese tour, for instance, in, in Vermont. What am I going to get from Food Tour Week in terms of collateral to promote Food Tour Week? Well, that's the best part about it is that most of us, you know, uh, Lauren's come from, you know, a great background in publicity and PR and television, you know, efforts. And, and Midge has done an incredible work in writing and being a journalist. I've actually run experiential advertising agencies and worked with some of the best brands in the world. So we've put that great thinking inside of what the deliverables are going to be. You know, there is a little info session that we've taped so people can go to foodtourweek.com, go to get involved, and they can actually watch the full little seminar. But it's about being on the website and being discoverable. You're going to get full access to the campaign rights and the look, the feel, the graphics, all the things that you can dress up your site, build elements, and kind of create your own you know, activation of Food Tour Week at your local level. We're going to give you design assets all ready to go out of the box, like print cards that you can go and put your logo on and, and you know, and jumpstart that conversation. We're giving digital ads. You're getting involved to be exper exposed through social media. Um, we're going to be writing press releases and templates and other things that, again, you can just drop your Burlington, you know, food tour in and send it to your local newspaper radio to get there. But then we're adding in the extra content. And I think the biggest part that we're most excited about is the consumer contest. This is definitely supporting the industry, but it is a consumer sticky campaign. So we're going to have a worldwide, you know, global sweepstakes where people can win the best culinary experiences around the world. And if I'm a little operator, I can't run a sweepstakes. I can't run a big contest that's giving away tens of thousands of dollars. But if I join in on foodtourweek.com, I get to be one of them to, to do that. So we're going to have a big contest as well. And then certainly supporting with swag and materials and buying power of t-shirts and caps and stuff. So again, it's very collaborative. It's very turnkey. And it's something that we know is going to make a difference to the industry this year and as a legacy project for uh, for our industry moving forward. So this is the first year that you're running it. How will you measure success? So when the campaign is over, how will you measure this as being a successful campaign? Well, I think one of the big things for us is one, the number of tour companies that are going to be coming on board. So, I mean, I think that we, we definitely want to see growth from year one versus year two. Um, so that would be you know, one thing. And then also, Shane, I think the the referral too, I think, you know, one of the things that we'd love to kind of position out there is, you know, when someone actually comes on to foodtourweek.com and you look at your Google Analytics and you say, hey, I've gotten some traffic from the website and you see that. And then ultimately what Kevin alluded to too was the contest. So, you know, how many people are we going to see enter this contest? I think what's brilliant about it. And this is why I definitely wanted to be part of it was, again, we are creating a larger megaphone for each other. And so 
you know, I probably would not be able to reach, you know, people in Australia or London or, you know, even New York City. Um, and I'm able to do that through this initiative. So being able to kind of be part of something that, you know, opens other people's eyes and say, hey, listen, next time in, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, I want to take Lauren's Oakland food tour. And so I would consider that success. And for a price point of $250, why would you not do that? I, I do want to share on air that obviously you're going to be using a lot of social media to promote Food Tour Week. And uh, Lauren, I, I, this is the first time you're going to hear this, but your episode on Tourpreneur, and I know this was down to your marketing ninja skills, <laughs> had the most social media shares of any Tourpreneur episode. So I don't know what oh you did, gosh. Uh, but you're working some magic there. Oh, oh, thanks, Shane. That really makes me happy. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm proud of being part of this industry and being able to share what I've learned over the last couple of years. And I, I wanted to share it out too. So I mean, I'll admit I shared it personally um, on my LinkedIn and my personal Facebook profile. And to be honest with you, also with my tour partners. So people that I'm working with and and they were sharing it too. Again, you know, I think we see that, you know, the food tour industry is just growing and Food Tour Week is helping with that. But I think more and more people are starting to learn like, hey, like there are legitimate professionals within this industry. We're an industry. People are getting more excited about that. And again, like I think what you're doing, Shane, with Tourpreneur, it's validating and legitimizing our industry um, so that more people and not just people within you know, the B2B realm, but consumers are seeing that, you know, these aren't just people who are just doing something not for fun on the weekend. These are legitimate businesses. And we're bringing, you know, Midgey has amazing blogging and journalistic and PR skills. And, you know, Kevin's worked with licensing companies. You know, we, we each bring really valuable experiences to build our own small businesses and to help each other. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to share your social media results just through what you did with that episode because it goes to show that through the collaboration you have, to you it seems second nature to share it that way, but to a lot of our tourpreneurs, they're still learning the ropes when it comes to social media, right? Because we're all trying to build a business and manage and hire staff and everything else that goes along with it that not everybody is a social media whiz. It's funny, my husband says this to me all the time. He goes, some things that you think are so easy, Lauren, other people would not think is easy. And I think everyone needs to learn that there are skills that each one of us has that just comes easy to us. And that by having platforms like this and Food Tour Week and being at a rival and collaborating with each other, we all learn from each other. I mean, I think a big thing for me was I even, you know, I sent it to our local chamber of commerce and they shared it with our membership. So again, look at yourself as not just a B to C, you know, getting guests on your food tour, but you know, you're also creating a brand for yourself as well as your company. So, you know, that just adds the the fuel of the fire. Absolutely. Midgey, you were a rival, correct? I was, yes. What was the reaction to your sessions from the attendees? So with the Food Tour Week announcement, it was very uh, exciting. We had, I think, 80 to 90 people in the room for the luncheon. Arrival was the folks there were very gracious to provide us a room and a luncheon. So that was really nice. Kevin did a stellar job announcing and launching the program. And we actually had people sign up right then and there. But the really uh, fun thing is the follow-up that Lauren has done, just staying in touch with people, generating that buzz, because I think it's something that is so, for us, it's just so natural. But for a lot of people, it's really outside the box. It, it was so well received. We were very, very excited. And I imagine that we'll see even more next year. I watched your webinar, Kevin, on your website. And I like that you talked about year two, year three, year four. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, we're going to do it all this year. And we're going to see how it goes. You, you do have that long term plan, which I think is really important. Well, it's really critical because I think one of the reasons that, you know, I came up with this idea and one of the reasons I think it's getting some fantastic early traction is because we're building in legacy. I mean, all of us that are in this industry, I have never met one person who left high school and went to university to open up a food tour company, graduated and opened, right? These are second, third, fourth careers for so many of us. And as Lauren mentioned a moment ago, we come to this industry with a remarkable amount of mixed backgrounds and experiences and life experiences and business experiences. And it's, you know, 
it's nice to be considered part of the leading edge and part of the leaders in this industry and developing a big campaign like this because we know we can pull it off. We're already getting traction. We're getting dozens and dozens of people signing up. We'll have hundreds of part of the campaign by June and it's needed. It's one of those things where it's like we get so stuck in the weeds day in and day out of our local businesses, our local tours and the administration of it all. We have to take a breath and step back and say, we still need to tell the world what we do. And we made a joke. The three of us were interviewed by Arrival and there's some videos floating around. And it's like, I just want success for me out of this campaign is, is that I can explain that I own a food tour company. And the next question doesn't become, what's a food tour? We want to be able to be really proud of what we do and what we offer. None of us want to answer that question anymore. If you say you own a hotel, you own a restaurant, you're a chef, you're a this, you're a that, it's an instant conversation. But so many still like, what's a food tour? What do you do for a living? It's like, well, I eat and drink for a living. I have the best job in the world, but this is how it comes to life. So I think you know, through Arrival, through what you're doing with the podcast and inspiring, you know, small, large, medium-sized businesses to share their expertise. And what we're hoping to accomplish with Food Tour Week this year is really to set the base for our industry and, and show the world what we, what we do and what we eat every day. And for those listening who want more information and to sign up, that they can find all the information at foodtourweek.com. Is there anything we haven't covered about Food Tour Week that any of you would like to raise before we move on to some other topics? One of the things that have been coming up on some of the Facebook groups that I've been posting in on is there's a misconceived notion out there that this is just a US-based initiative, and that is not true. If you are a food tour company from anywhere around the world, as we mentioned before, Europe, Asia, Australia, North America, South America. Heck, if you're doing a food tour in Antarctica, you should be um, considering joining us on Food Tour Week. This is literally showcasing the best food tours from around the world. So if you are in Lima, Peru, and you know who I'm talking about, Erica La Madrid, you should definitely be joining us <laughs> on Food Tour Week. So That's a really good point because we actually have listeners in 110 countries, can you believe? I can't and, believe uh, <laughs> A big hello to our two listeners in Mongolia, by the way. I love seeing that every week. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, the other piece that that is just as important as that, this is the global initiative, as Lauren pointed out. The other piece is that this is not 10 days of excitement. Yes, Food Tour Week is, you know, June 5th to the 14th of 2020. But the web, the materials, the collateral, the searchability runs for an entire year. So your commitment is just not the high energy within that time, like the seasonal bite of it all. It means that your product and your tours are going to be searched and looked at and discovered day in and day out for 365 days. So when you look at a commitment of $250 for an annual campaign with the best food and drink tours on the planet for less than 65 cents a day in terms of marketing, there's no reason not to join us because it's only going to get bigger and bolder. And if you're in first, you're going to get a lot of the benefit from jumping in and joining us. So it's a year-round campaign with a burst for 10 days in June. Yeah, and I look forward to chatting with you later in the year where we can talk about some of the results you generated as well and, and some of your learning. Because I think that you know that first year is always about learning, isn't it? It is. And it's also one of the th reasons that we're doing this. I mean, it's like, you know, Shane, how many food tours uh, happen today anywhere in the world? Right. Though, like, yeah. We don't know. We don't know yeah. how many food tours are running every day. We don't know how often. And so by talking to our guests and connecting with operators and using the web to grab details and contests and stuff, we're going to have global insights on who is shopping for food tours and where they're coming from and what they're considering as part of their consideration set. And we're going to be able to share that with your listeners again on Tourpreneur. We're going to be able to you know, share that with our media partners at Arrival. And there's a lot of ways for us to, to get back, not only just direct bookings to the you know, the members that join us on Future Week. But we've got a lot of insights coming from the campaign this year and years coming forward. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. Well, I wish you all the best with Food Tour Week. I know quite a few of our listeners have signed up and uh, I'm really excited to see the results that you generate because I love food tours and, you know, I hate missing out on them when I'm in a particular city. So the more promotion in my feed, the better. So I know what's out there. <laughs> more than happy to post things on Tourpreneur Group, uh, Shane. Please do. Please <laughs> do. And Shane, I heard you took a food tour in Toronto, but I don't think it was mine. So I think I've got a little beef to, uh, to pick up. <laughs> yeah. You know, I went on the, sorry if there's any vegans listening, I went on the one called When Pigs Fry okay. with Jason. Nice. Okay. 
you know, it's interesting because I was visiting a friend of mine there. We were going to watch uh, football, soccer, right? Toronto were playing. And, you know, being British, I really miss football because we don't have a team here in Vermont. And um, I said, oh, you know, let me take you on a tour. I said, what do you want to do? And I, you know, I, I sent him a couple of links. And he actually picked out Jason's tour. And we went on it. And even he said, and he's a local. And he was like, wow, I didn't know about half of these places. That was really cool to hear that he wants to go back to some of the places Jason took us to. And he's a local. He lives in Toronto. So we, we had a lot of fun on that tour. And that's the magic. I mean, for our company, Culinary Adventure Company in Toronto, Winnipeg, and Ottawa, 70% of our guests are local. And that's really different. I mean, I know Midge is very different being in Juneau, having cruise oh, yeah. business and a lot of different things. And even Lauren, she's probably finding more locals that are coming on her tours. But it's curious because people are, particularly with our organization, are buying Valentine's Day presents or buying birthday, Christmas, anniversary experiences. And at the end of the tour, our success after someone's been on one of our food tours, we're looking for two comments. It's like, hey, Kev, I would have never known about that restaurant, that business, that place you took me to, or maybe I have been to it, or maybe I know the cuisine or the items around it, but I wouldn't have ordered what you ordered, or I certainly wouldn't have known the backstory or been able to get more information. And that's the power of, of what we do every day. The three of us, along with hundreds around the world, we tell delicious stories and that romantic, magical memory is what we want people to take away from yeah absolutely and it certainly with jason's tour we had a really good experience it was a fun thing to do with a local as well and you know i'll be back again this summer so i'll make sure i come on on your tour kevin this Anytime. time and i'll bring, bring <laughs> my friend and his family along and, and give that a go did you know every weekday shane curates the most interesting news articles in tours and activities and sends them out in a snappy daily digest grab your copy of the tourpreneur daily briefing at www.tourpreneur.com so i asked a couple of our listeners hey you know we're going to do this food tour panel what's top of mind for you so one of the questions i did get was how do you approach vendors and restaurants for your food tours this seems to be quite a big hurdle for food tours that are just starting out. So maybe, Midji, we could start with you, if we can go back to the very beginning. And I would love to invite you on the show as well, uh, so we can give you the Lauren treatment and go for an hour. <laughs> I would love to be Princess Lauren for a day. That would be yeah. pretty awesome. Well, I want to be Princess Lauren for a day. But... <laughs> I want to be Princess Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Lauren's pretty awesome. So I uh, oh, that would you. be awesome, Shane. Thank you so much. So to answer the question about approaching restaurants, um, so just to give you a little background, Juno is a pretty small community. We are a capital city of our state, and we are also landlocked. The only way in and out of Juno is by boat or plane. So I started as a food writer and a food blogger, and I eat in all these restaurants. And so I spent a, quite a few years just enjoying the food of my city and building relationships with the restaurant owners and with the chefs and the staff, the wait staff and people like that. And so when I went to them and said, hey, I've got this crazy idea. I want to bring people around here uh, and tell everybody how great you are and pay you for that privilege. Every single one of them hands down said, how can I help you? I get asked a lot about how I negotiate prices. Well, I have to tell you, I hate math and I hate numbers. So I like to keep it simple. So I know from eating in all the restaurants what generally the menus are like and pricing. And so I will go to a restaurant and say, I can spend this amount of money per person in your place. And I need that to include tax and gratuities. What can you do? And they always say, thank you so much for making that easy for us. They don't like to give discounts and they don't like to do weird structured math for themselves. They just want to keep things simple internally as well. And if I say, I'll pay you $2 a person or $5 or whatever, depending on the location, they're all like, great, that's cool. And then at the end of the month, I cut them a check for that many people forever many people come and they love that. They also, the thing that works really well is be seen in those restaurants and build those relationships before you approach one that you don't know anybody and they don't know you. You haven't established your street cred. If you just walk in and go, hey, I got a food tour and I want to bring people to you. They're going to be like, cool. You know, I have never seen you in my restaurant, you know, and if you don't have any credibility with them at all, and it's going to be a harder sell. Build those relationships don't look at the most popular. Look at what tells your story the best. You know, what tells your food story the best? Some of our places are the most popular places in Juno, but some of them nobody would ever go to unless we took them there. Great advice there. Kevin, what would you add to that? 
Um, the money is definitely an important part of the mix and how you build your ultimate tour. I mean, we're probably all the same, but one of the main reasons that I pick a place for our tours is that it's a place that we're already passionate about. It's a place that we may already have existing relationships. It's a place that I've spent way too many nights or days already <laughs> eating and enjoying. So I want to share that with someone else. But the difference for me is that when we build new tours, I rarely tell the places I go to that I'm actually building a tour with them. Because I never know if I spend all the time building a tour and saying, I want to go to this candy shop, this restaurant, this place, and so on and so forth, put all this work together. Until we actually physically get people on the tour, you never really know what the experience is, how easy they are. And so I tend to sort of pilot a lot of tours before we commit to the actual vendor. I want it to be good. I want it to be hot. I want it to be fresh, consistent. I want their team to be happy to see us. So we look for a lot of other indicators that are going to make the final selection oh, yeah. of who comes on our tours. I know we all do that, but yeah. you know, the, one of the number one food tours in Toronto is, is our Chinatown and Kensington tour. And we ran it for almost two years before we even told anybody that was on our tour that they were actually on an official food tour that we're publicizing and selling. Because I also wanted to make sure that we were getting the best value and the best energy. So we look at it as who we love and who we want to share and what that story is. But it always has to come down to the food. It's got to be the best taste. And then the final part is when you put these tours together, it's like setting a performance. It's like a ballet. You've got to have different acts and different shapes. So it's like sweet and savory and sit down and nod and heavy and light. And, you know, and all of that comes into sort of who you end up choosing finally for your ultimate mix for the tour. Yeah, I mean, I wonder through your work at Food Tour Week, uh, for instance, on episode eight, Alan Rust in Omaha, I think he's actually signed up with you guys for Food he Tour has, Week. He oh, has, yeah. And he was sharing on the show that when he was starting up, that there were some restaurants that didn't want to be part of it because they were like, oh, no, we want the full table value. They didn't really understand that, you know, people who are coming in on the tour may well come back later on during their visit. Are there any stats out there uh, from any reports that you've seen, which would show, you know, either a dollar amount or percentage of people who go on a food tour and then return to one of those restaurants on the same stay? So from a national and global standpoint, Shane, there's nothing like that that's out there. And that's part of the reason why we are doing food tour week is that because there's no centralized database of research for food tour specific data and information. I can talk from my end what I do two times a year. I do a mid-year sort of survey and an end of year survey with my guests is that I send every single guest that's been on my tour for the last two years and ask them, and it's customized based on the tour that they've been on. It's almost like a net promoter score. Had you been to the restaurant prior to the tour? Have you gone back? Would you recommend this restaurant or stop to a friend? And then that gives me the data to bring back to my tour stops. And I can say to them, listen, like I know that I've had this many people come back to your restaurant who had never been here before. And then I can also use that data with future potential tour stops as well. And I know that that information has absolutely helped me get businesses to join on the tour. That's gold. That's such a good tip. I wonder how many food tours are actually doing that, Lauren. Princess Lauren, sorry. <laughs> oh God. Sorry about that, Lauren. Oh God, we've created a monster. <laughs> okay. No, you guys, I'll just have my like um, my hair in two little buns like Princess Leia next time you guys. Oh, I was just planning on getting you like a little crown in a, a set. Crown. See, I think of Princess Leia. Interesting. I think of Princess Leia before. Yeah. <laughs> As long as you're not going to run off to Victoria, Canada at some point. Oh. <laughs> hey, we're happy to have the Brits. What's wrong with that? Jeez, we're, Absolutely. We've got the Absolutely. queen in our money too here, uh, Shane. So don't uh, don't disparage the Commonwealth. You're living in the United States. We're, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> true, true. Um, but um, Lauren, just so you know that I've secured princesslauren.com. So if you'd like the website, <laughs> let me know. All right. Oh, <laughs> And there, and there will be Princess Lauren dolls. Just merchandise, like absolutely, for sure. We've created something here. Get princesslaurenfoodtours.com. Quick. <laughs> I love it. Brilliant. Our, our biggest win, we felt, with CheckFront is customers being able to book online and not have to make that phone call to us. And they can just navigate our website, go through your interface, and just book directly with us. 
once we get into it and once they, once they see all the system can do, the, it's, uh, it's quite funny because you kind of see the, 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 a world open behind that before them and they're like, oh my God, and I can send emails and I can manage how many people come and I can check them in. I'd recommend using Checkfront because it's simple, it's straightforward, it's easy to use, and most importantly, there are never any problems. Another question that came in was around booking engines. Obviously, you see this everywhere on the Facebook groups, but some of our listeners were like, hey, you know, can you ask your guests what booking engine they're using and why? So I think, Kevin, you are using Fair Harbor, correct? I am. And it was a tough choice for us. We, we started our business in 2010 and we were with another provider for eight and a half years, exclusive, you know, dedicated relationship. But when we started to look at other options and what we needed as a business, we, you know, we actually had to make the change. And so we switched to Fair Harbor in the fall of uh, 2018. So we've been just over almost a year and a half with them now and couldn't be happier. In brief, what are they doing that your previous partner wasn't able to do for you? It was a few different things. It was a lot of account management. It was interesting because our first ticketing provider actually helped establish us as an organization and built a lot of infrastructure and got us up and running, which was great. But when I bought the company in 2016, it was like we weren't cool anymore. And unfortunately, we weren't getting their attention. We had asked a number of questions and said, hey, how can we work together? And it just was getting harder. And one of the things that Fair Harbor did was certainly provide a dedicated account uh, manager. So, you know, a shout out to Brady at Fair Harbor because he answers every crazy question and, and comment we have. Myself and our operations manager, Carla, we, he's responsive, but it was also a financial thing. It wasn't so much about the sort of the bells and whistles and sort of the tech development that maybe our other provider had more of an interest in. What I find Fair Harbor doing for us is that they're here to help us sell more tours because ultimately they're successful when that happens. So our relationship's been great. We're, we've been really happy. Good. Midgy, who are you working with? Um, I actually switched to Fair Harbor back in October. And um, I am very, very glad that I did. I've had a great relationship with them. And we're still tweaking my website and doing some things and adding some things, but they're so responsive. And the thing that I particularly enjoyed was that my account rep, Danny, he actually called me one day and he said, hey, I noticed that a lot of your leads are coming from social media. We want them to be more direct. Here's what we recommend you do. And he gave me this laundry list of things to change and things like that. And immediate sales started happening. So they care almost more about my success than I do in the sense of really watching what's happening with my Google Analytics. I mean, they're tied to it because I had the basic Google Analytics information and they added the e-commerce things. So I just get overjoyed when I'm looking at it and I'm like, ooh, sales. So it's just really nice that some of the little things, but the other things too, my internal calendar is much more complicated because I work with cruise lines and I have um, all of these contracts with cruise lines that people can't buy off my website. They can't buy those tours. They can only buy them through the cruise ships. And so they were able to upload all that information into Fair Harbor so that I can track it internally in one location. And that was huge. I almost started crying. I was so overjoyed. <sighs> and they did it like in two days. I mean, it was really a fast turnaround. Wow. That's, that's impressive. Yeah, it was really amazing. So they really want to grow with your business and they want your business to grow with them. They listen to us as far as users and clients about what we're doing collectively, that what we need. And I know I'm having other conversations with other food tour operators about things like MailChimp and using Active Campaign and other things and how Fair Harbor can play a role in that. And they're listening and they're like, wow, okay, so it's not just you, it's all these other people too. And that really helps. Well, Fair Harbor listened to the show, so I'm hoping there's a pay rise in order <laughs> for uh, Brady and Danny, right? <laughs> right. So out of interest, how much, if you want to divulge this, of your business is through cruises, Midgey? Oh, yeah. It's no secret. About 90 plus percent. Wow. And it is because our season is very short. It's five months long, but we are a major cruise port and we are the major cruise port for Alaska. What they do is they sell my tours on the ships and only their passengers can purchase the tour. Like I give them a rate and then they sell it for whatever they want. Yeah. But it really makes a big difference because I have that huge marketing engine of say Princess Cruise Lines or Holland America, Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Celebrity, all these people. I have these big marketing engines marketing my tour for me. 
Nice. I heard of some of those cruise companies, but I never heard of the Princess Lauren Cruise Company. You know, it's I'm I'm actually I have a meeting with the Princess Cruise people, and I think that my next culinary cruise will be the Princess Lauren Cruise. So. Well, there you go. And we will talk about cruises when when we feature you on the show because I'm just back from a cruise and I booked oh. all my experiences on celebrity. And uh, people are like, why don't you go to OTA? Why don't you go to Direct? And I'm going to share oh, why. Yeah. I'm going to save that for our conversation. I would love to have that conversation with you. Really? <laughs> that would be really fun. Excellent. And Lauren, who are you working with? I'm with Fair Harbor. So I'm I'm on the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and how long have you been with them? I've been with them since 2014. So I'm actually one of the first 10% of uh, businesses to sign with Fair Harbor. Wow. So you're a very, very happy customer then. You know, I am. And, but to be honest with you, Shane, and I hope Fair Harbor listens to this. So, um, you know, I, I think this might be a lesson in just, you know, again, to all tourpreneurs, you know, booking companies need to earn your business. And there is another tour company always on its heels trying to get your business. And so I will say I'm very disappointed right now in a turnover time that for a project that I've been working with Fair Harbor on um, since arrival in October. So if the team there is listening, um, uh, you need to return my phone calls, guys. There you go. You heard it on the show. Gauntlet's <laughs> dropped, as it should be. <laughs> How often do you all get contacted by the various booking uh, partners out there, the booking platform providers? For me, it's probably right. three or four times a month at least, maybe almost weekly. And I think it goes in cycles too, because like after arrival, everybody is reaching out to us and then there's kind of a, a lull and then all of a sudden this new year starts and then I get probably like Kevin three to five a month and I try to respond to them and just tell them I'm very happy and I appreciate it because I don't want them to think like, first of all, I'm rude, but I don't want them to think that their time isn't valuable. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I've got uh, a question for you. You've probably read about TripAdvisor increasing rates kind of without talking to operators, just going ahead and adding a percentage. Has that happened to any of you yet? I can't speak to that because I do not sell my tours on TripAdvisor on purpose. Right. I really haven't paid attention because I'm kind of in Midgey's boat. One, I don't get many bookings on TripAdvisor and they're not a priority for me. So... So we only have a couple of products on TripAdvisor and, and right now we haven't seen any price increases, but Lauren's right. I mean, I come at this at a, you know, probably a little bit more unconventional than others is because I'm not feeding into the drama. I know that there is a hard life to build with food tours and, and any kind of tour and experience and, and the percentage, but I look at TripAdvisor like a retailer. If you've made a product and you've shipped it to Macy's, Macy's yep. can sell it for whatever they want. If you've shipped your product into TripAdvisor, they can sell it for whatever they want. If you are you know, one of the largest consumer packaged goods firms in the world, you obviously want to maybe then speak to you know, the Walmarts and the Targets and the big retailers of the world. But my point of view is that it's just a store. If you're not willing to play their game, then don't put your stuff in the window. And that's my point of view on it. I mean, they have to build a business. They have to be responsive and sell and promote and they have their own costs. If food tours and tours and experience operators think that they are going to do that just for free, I think that's misplaced. So you've got to think about it as a retailer. You make the product, you send it to somebody, and it's their job to sell it after that. I totally agree 100% with Kevin. I actually was talking to a colleague um, just yesterday about it who does have her products out on TripAdvisor. And when they raised the prices, she just felt like she was losing money. And I said, did they say they are not paying you what you said you needed? And she said, no. I said, then they can sell it for whatever they want. You're still making what you need and what you agreed on. So, and I think one of the outcries I'm gathering from tour operators of all kinds is that now their prices are more expensive on TripAdvisor than it is on my website. Well, that's great. But if someone is looking to buy something, they aren't going to be going, going, oh my gosh, I should have bought it on the website. They're going to say, I want to go on that tour in that town. People with their vacation dollars, they're frugal up to a certain point. And they go, yes, I don't care that the helicopter tour in Alaska that gets me on a glacier and I get to go play with the sled dogs is $600. I have saved four years for that. Yeah, absolutely. And if so it's $625 on TripAdvisor. 
they don't care. You know, so I think that that tour operators are, I feel your pain, but that is one of the reasons why I chose not to advertise or be on TripAdvisor. But the other thing too, is that as long as you're getting what you were told you're getting in the first place, then be okay with it. Yeah, I think that good points. And and I appreciate you making those rationally because I am seeing a lot of anger online and bitterness. And, and I understand kind of both sides. I do too. I think for me, I would be annoyed if, for instance, I have a walking tour in, in Vermont and they've jacked up my prices, but they haven't to my competitor. Right. That kind of thing would worry me. Yes. But on the other hand, if they put my prices up and I'm still selling, then I'm selling too cheap, direct maybe. Right. So it's a form of price testing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I come back to the retail analogy is that if you're Coke or Pepsi, you're on the grocery store shelves. And if the retailer decides to put your competitor on sale one weekend and you on sale the next weekend, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Food tour operators particularly have to be more concerned in my mind about the product that they're delivering, mm-hmm. the brand that they're building and the experience and memories that people are taking away. Price is irrelevant and price is very stretchy. If you can really collaborate and have a spectacular, memorable experience, then you're going to be fine. I mean, I'm frustrated with TripAdvisor from the ratings perspective. We're one of the longest term food tour operators in Toronto. We have over 950 five-star reviews, which is three times our next competitor. And actually, all of our five competitors next to us don't even add up to all of those. We're the number two food tour operator in Toronto. We don't seem to be the number one because the new operators, the recency, the frequency, the sort of the cachet of it all, they get to come first. And it's like, hey, good for them. There's lots to go around. But it's annoying that you work 10 years to be the number one food tour and you get bounced by someone who's only got, you know, 300 and change reviews when you're sitting at thousands, right? So it's like... Do you think that's because they're paying more commission? I hope not. But I don't know, like 60 minutes or someone needs to do an investigative report. No, no, seriously, like it's like everybody has these conspiracy theories about the businesses and, you know, and TripAdvisor sits on stage and gets, you know, grilled by Douglas at Arrival and everybody else. Like hopefully they're telling the truth. But I really wonder if there's algorithms out there that are gaming the system a little bit. And it's the one thing particularly for me that frustrates me, and I know Midge and Lauren have heard me rant about this a a fair bit. I'm in the business of memories. I'm not in the business of SEO. I'm not in the business of ticket conversion and all this nonsense of online. That's crap. It's frustrating that that wins over the experience that I'm delivering on my food tour, which is one more reason why food tour week is important because hopefully we'll be in a family, if you will, of like-minded, passionate food tour operators around the world. And we can be discovered for who we are and what we deliver, not what stupid ranking or ad buy we've, we've stuck on the web. I want people to come to me because they're like, oh my God, Culinary Adventure Company is the best food tour company in Canada. And my friends have been there and so on and so on. Not because, oh, it made me click in some clickbait ad on Facebook and I ended up buying a tour and I didn't even know what I was buying. That's not the game I want to play. I want to, I want to leave people with, with memories. Sure. So that leads me on to the last question for today. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I would love to invite you all back on again where we can hit the topics of the day for food tourpreneurs. But I'm going to ask you the hardest question, all three of you here, of today, right? Are you ready for this? Other than your own, what is your favorite ever food tour? Let's start with you, Midgey. Oh, golly, golly. Okay. So... Gosh, I can't remember the name of the company on the tour because this was about eight or nine years ago. I went on this tour in Seattle that was the Gaslight Tour and our Belltown. And I got to learn a lot about Seattle's Belltown district, which was their movie district. And so when movies like back in the 30s, it was the Pacific Northwest Hollywood. And so they would do all of the movie launches and things like that. And the host was fabulous. And she had an iPad with pictures. We would be standing on a street corner and she would show us what it looked like in the 1800s and 1900s and stuff. I learned a lot on that tour. And that is actually what made me want to do that. Um, And the food was spectacular. But I remember the history. And I was like, I want to do this. This is cool. I have not done Lauren's and I have not done Kevin's. Let right. me put a disclaimer out there. Kevin has invited me a million times to come to Toronto and I just haven't made it there yet. But Kevin, I hear Grantley and I may be heading over to Nova Scotia this fall. So, <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Lauren, in, in 60 seconds, what's your favorite food tour? 
Okay. It's the one we just took when we were at arrival in Orlando. It's Mandy Longo's around Orlando food tour, um, formerly known as Mosquito County food tours. Um, she does an amazing tour in Winter Park. And what I specifically loved about her tour is that it was the most unique. Now she did customize it for us. There was a group of food tour owners that took the tour with her, but we actually, it opened my eyes to how food tours can be so unique throughout the world. Part of the tour was on a lake cruise on a boat. We went through the lakes of Winter Park, which is a little suburb outside of Orlando. And so I feel like for a city like Orlando, where most people just go for the theme parks and for Disney and the resorts, this was an amazing way to actually see what a city is all about and in a way that was truly unique. Fantastic. Kevin, last but not least. Yeah, I'm going to follow a little bit with Lauren's theme. Um, my favorite food tour is something that we took in Bangkok with my family. So Bangkok Best Eats Midnight Food Tour by Tuk Tuk. And it was run by BangkokFoodTours.com so people can go find it. But similar to what Lauren had said, what's so remarkable about this tour is that not only are you getting the incredible street eats and the energy and the city vibe of Bangkok at night, this you know, tour kicks off like at 10 p.m., but you are driven around by Tuk Tuk. So you have these beautiful little motorized you know, cabs, if you will, zipping around the city. And you see them and you're envious and you want to be on them when you're during the day. But at night, you get driven from spot to spot. So it does two things. It gives you a real sense of culture and place, but it also allowed us to see more of the city because we weren't walking forever and ever and ever. Instead of walking for five minutes, you're driving for five minutes and you can get a whole lot farther. So it was really great value because you were able to taste so many different neighborhoods right across the city. So BangkokFoodTours.com and their Tuk Tuk Midnight Tour was is my fave. Now I'm absolutely starving. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just so you know, you're closer to me than you are Juno in, in uh, Oakland. So come on to Toronto. I'll feed you anytime, Shane. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for coming on the show. I will add links to your tours on the show notes, which can be found at tourpreneur.com forward slash 64. And of course, the food tour week. And I would love to invite you back on again in a couple of months. Fantastic. Chat food. Let's tours. do it. Princess Kevin would love to be on. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> we shall do it. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.